What is good, guys and gals, and welcome to the Films and Pixels podcast, episode 15. I am your host, Afif. Got some pretty cool topics today. There's a lot that we gotta discuss and talk about. Elon Musk. Sounds like he's ready to take over Twitter. In fact, the whole Elon Musk Twitter situation has now become a saga. More on that later on. Plus a new distribution deal between Anrami and Rotano Music. It seems like both partners have now reunited as well. Amazon rebranding IMDB TV with a new name. Strangely enough. Now that, and I should also mention Warner Brothers and Discovery have finally completed their merger since last year into a very simple name that you can guess. Seems like in terms of streaming as well, the FIFA. Yeah, the same FIFA, football, soccer, whichever country, continent you prefer, you're from, sorry, that you prefer to say, uh, seem to have like a new, some details on a streaming service. Plus some headsets coming up for next year from Apple and Sony details on both headsets, which one is using AR and VR. Obviously, everyone knows about Sony's PSVR 2 headset, but there's more details on it of when it could come out and Apple's AR headset. That'll be interesting. Uh, Some news actually as well regarding the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt regarding the next gen upgrade. Um, yeah, I'll be discussing that. Yes, it did get delayed, but I'll keep that part very brief. So yeah, if you haven't done so before, please check out previous episodes of the podcast. And yeah, you know the drill. Subscribe, like, comment, yada, yada. Okay, all that good stuff. Probably sick of saying by now, but you know, I just got to. Okay. Great. Cool. So, yeah. How about we just go from here, yeah? All right. Now for the most interesting and juiciest part of the program today. The Elon Musk Twitter saga. Okay, so it shouldn't come to any surprise for everyone who's followed the whole situation. Musk did buy 9.2% of Twitter shares. Um, you know, recently he's willing to like literally like full on, uh, buy the majority stake of the company. Now all of a sudden, before I think he rejected being part of the shareholders board chair. So he all of a sudden like he rejected being part of the one of the Twitter board of governor teams or one of the chairman. I don't know. It was just weird, but breaking news everywhere that um. He would actually now pay uh, $54.20 per share of the company, which is, which basically he's valuing the company, offering like $41 billion. So yeah, basically he's willing to offer $41 billion to buy Twitter. Now, because like he would need, first of all, what happened before is that he said, I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. Uh, Twitter's board of directors responded with the offer, saying the Twitter board of directors will carefully review the proposal to determine the course of action that is be- that it believes is the best interest of the company and all Twitter stockholders. So yeah, this saga has really gotten interesting. 
And it's crazy how like, because of the situation there, uh, pre-market trading has jumped to like 13%, you know? So it's, it's crazy how like it just made them even more popular than before, you know? And just to follow up, uh, yeah, he did buy 9.2%, you know, Parag Agrawal was saying like, hey, he'd be great and all that stuff, but limited him so that he doesn't buy 14.9%. And not to get a takeover. Now he's just going all in. He did write a letter that was sent to Twitter chairman Brett Taylor. And disclosed in securities filings for the purchase. You know, before I mentioned that, uh, you know, Twitter shares were up about 4% this morning. After closing at $45.85 a share. But Tesla stock dipped more than 30% on the news. So that's kind of crazy. So basically a letter that Musk wrote. As a result, I'm offering to buy 100% of Twitter for $54.20 per share in cash. In cash. How can anyone even achieve that in cash? A 54% premium over the day before I began investing in Twitter. And a 38% premium over the day before my investment was publicly announced. My offer is the best and final offer. And if it is not accepted, I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. So why, what is this all about? Like what is with Elon Musk and now his desire to just go and buy Twitter and all that good stuff? Well, see, the fact is just simple. He believes that there is not enough free speech allowed on Twitter and he wants to unlock that potential. He just, he's saying that there isn't enough free speech allowed on Twitter and he wants that to be enabled for more empowerment, all that. But what do you think? Do you think that's even true? I mean, it's not like, you know, you say your political opinions or geopolitics and discuss anything going on today around the world and it's not like anyone flags you or anything you know for someone who does have 260 billion dollars of net worth that i mean he's yeah he can buy every major social media network if he wanted yeah so it does make him one of the richest in the world or the richest at 260 billion dollars of net worth Damn, bro. <laughs> um, also, Musk is being advised by investment bank Morgan Stanley on a 54% premium stock purchase. Uh, okay. So this is a statement. I got with me a statement what Elon Musk is saying about purchasing Twitter. I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be a platform for free speech around the globe. And I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. However, since making my investment, I now realize the company will neither thrive nor serve the societal imperative in its current form. Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. As a result, I am offering to buy 100% of Twitter for $54.20 per share in cash, a 54% premium over the day before I began investing in Twitter and a 38% premium over the day before my investment was publicly announced. 
My offer is the best and final offer, and if it's not accepted, I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. Twitter has extraordinary potential, and I will unlock it. Yes, I know. I realized I repeated a lot of the information here, so uh, sorry if it sounds familiar by now, but it'll be an interesting war, I think. I wouldn't call it war. Sorry, poor choice of words. Like sort of a battle between control of Twitter would it be a good idea if Twitter went private? I'm not sure. I don't. I, I doubt it's a good idea. I mean, I don't understand it. it. It looks and it's starting to feel like a hostile takeover. That's why I think it's a good idea. In response, it seems like a Twitter board of chairman team had like a um, a poison pill response offer, something like that. From what I read, like maybe a few hours ago. So it's not over. As he was saying, he like he just believes that Twitter can thrive for free speech, society, empower democracy further. But I mean, it's already. I mean, like a lot that's happening on Twitter already is working. So I'm not entirely sure why he wants to, you know, interfere and so forth. But it's gonna get interesting from here on out going forward. So. If I were you, I would stay tuned to this whole situation. After many, many months since really May 21, May 2021, both Warner Bros. and Discovery have completed the merger that costed them $43 billion. So now, of course, the simple name, you know, from that to now they're just called Warner Brothers Discovery, so... Yeah, it's good that AT&T and Discovery now have completed the mega media conglomerate now being called Warner Brothers Discovery at $43 billion. What this will do is bring more of the entertainment brands together into one global package. And this is really great. Since Warner Media's holding company AT&T, they did strike a deal with Discovery almost a year ago and creating an entire media entity uh, that helped them relinquish control of the business it paid $85 billion for. So what will this bring? What will this merger bring for both companies that are now one? Well, alongside HBO Max and Discovery Plus, there's going to be you know, a complete and higher list for, that's going to increase their portfolio. <clears throat> Excuse me. Alongside Warner Bros. film franchises and, of course, Discovery's portfolios of lifestyle channels like HGTV and Food Network and Animal Planet, of course, AT&T will bring a lot of their properties alongside together, like CNN and TNT as well. Plus, it seems that there's going to be like Discovery Plus and CNN Plus, of course, DC, Eurospor Eurosport. Food Network, Investigation, Discovery, TBS, Travel Channel, all those, Science Channel as well, a lot of interesting stuff. And even New Line Cinema, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Eternal uh, Classic Movies. So this is really good. And because of that whole merger, you know, A&T&T shareholders will receive a 71% stock that will go up. Meanwhile, Discovery... Uh, 
shareholders will own the remaining 29% of their stock. So that's a very good part of the deal. I should also mention the merger will see AT&T receive $43 billion in cash and debt securities. That's actually very good. Very interesting stuff right there. Now why? Well, both believe that together they can bring more for their consumer base that they seem to have in common with, especially now with the high-rising competition of the streaming service platforms that so many people are subscribing to. So this will help them collect with their collective assets, diversify their business model together. All right, so what are the statements? Did anyone say anything? Well, AT&T CEO John Stanky did say that the two companies merging together will strengthen Mortar Media's establishment and leading position in the media and streaming market. So that's pretty solid and that's pretty good. Um, all right, what about the executive leadership changes? Well, both, well, I should say now one, Warner Bros. Discovery will now appoint Jean Birac, Jean Birac Perret, as CEO and President of Global Streaming and Interactive Entertainment. As well, David Levy will be Chief Corporate Affairs Officer. So, Perret will be really responsible for HBO Max and Discovery Plus, as well as all the DCD stuff and even AT&T's gaming IP portfolio and so forth. So, yeah, I really do think this should be very interesting. Um, you know, well, other companies like maybe Apple or, I don't know, NBC Group, well, Amazon, well, Hulu, will they all now react accordingly? Are they going to be scared? No. No, even like this change has now actually been reflected on Facebook. You know, there's now an actual Warner Bros. Discovery Facebook page. So it's like, again, merged into one. So that's pretty good. Like, as someone myself who does like some of these channels, uh, I don't expect any sort of change to take an effect kind of ruining how I like to view and see some of these channels. So um, I do think, as expected, they're kept going. But I think together, just to be offered more to today's consumer market who like to view more of the streaming product and the services, of course, still on television, if simply no longer interested in cable. And yeah, seeing them on different mobile devices I think more more popular, popular, more popular on the mobile phones, but I do think viewing them on tablet is the better choice. Yeah, so also in terms of finding a new role, uh, the company will actively search for someone to fill the chair and CEO for Warner Brothers Discovery Sports, someone that will report to the CEO. And this is great because I think, um, think for next month around May 18, there will be like a presentation showcasing all the content that will be included, what will be included, what's going to be provided and all the good, the good stuff. So yeah, they now become a big player alongside Disney and Netflix. So yeah. 
And that value, now that they have all this together, their value combined will go up to $130 billion. According to Axios, as 2023 revenues anticipated to be around $52 billion, with $15 billion expected from DTC revenue. So, yeah. Big money players here in the streaming platform competition against Disney and Netflix. Will both of them or one of them be scared? No, I'm very doubtful on that. But it should be fun to see how it all goes forward. At this point, what now feels like a long time ago, which like back in August 2018, Rotano Music Group did sign an exclusive distribution deal with Deezer for its music catalog. Now things have suddenly changed. It seems that recently there was a meeting with representatives of Anrami and Rotano for a, reunited, for a reunion, I should say, for both companies to work together again. They actually used to, in the early years of Anrami's brand, uh, for back in the 2012 launch. So now that uh, Deezer will no longer have any distribution, say, on Rotano Music catalog, but now Anrami is back to working with Rotana again, and this is actually a pretty good thing as well. So the news follows like the announcement of like a year ago that Warner Music Group was investing in Rotana Music as well. So that's good. So it's plans to distribute the music, their music globally outside the MENA region. So that's actually uh, very good news with Rotana Music Holding signing another deal now with Anrami. Reuniting both uh, MENA region brands together. So this is actually very good. Um, as well, the roster of artists. I'll just mention a few like uh, Muhammad Abdul, Abdullah Majid, Abdullah, uh, Rashid Al-Majid, Ahlam, Shireen Abdul Wahab, Wa'al Kfure, Elisa, Taman Husni. Najwa Karam, just to name a few on the list. Uh, but yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, and it does help them since Arghami have their their stock, putting them on Nasdaq. They since February four, like having their shares increased by eighty percent and exceeding their capital of five hundred million dollars. So this is very good. And there was a meeting with all invo involved, Eli Habib, as well as um, Rotana Music uh, CEO, Salem Al-Hindi, um, Eddie Maroon. So it's very good that all involved. It seems like all the vibes are positive. Everyone's on the same page and a lot of good is happening with a couple of statements that I have. One from Salem Al-Hindi of Rotana Music Holding saying, we are thrilled to commence this partnership with Anrami, which will also strengthen the relationship between Rotana and its artists. Very good. With Eddie Maroon also saying, this partnership represents a major addition to our already unrivaled selection of Arabic music and will give Rotana's portfolio of artists and outstanding Arab talent a powerful platform to share their voice with the world. And yeah, this is excellent. And you know what? I'm, it's good for Anrami as well. Like, 
clearly more good than bad. Like their brand name, their image, their value, their stock has continued to really rise up since moving their headquarters from Beirut, Lebanon to Abu Dhabi, UAE. And, you know, the move has clearly paid off. It's not like it's better for politics and economics and all that good stuff. Like, you know, as a Lebanese brand, I'm I'm glad, you know, I'm, you know, I want to see Lebanese products, Lebanese people that have potential to really succeed, you know, like even has to be abroad. So this is a great thing. And it's already a major brand, like, you know, in, in similarity to like Spotify and so forth. So, you know, it's great that now uh, time has changed between 2012 and now when Anikami was brand new at Otana partnered with them now. You know, as much uh, now Andrami being a major music streaming platform in the MENA region, reuniting with Rotana once more with a roster of their artists that they can distribute to their platform will definitely bring more people since they have 75 million already subscribed to Andrami. Even more will likely happen. And so... Yeah, I think more positives will come out of this new partnership now that they've reunited. Now all of a sudden, it seems like FIFA is ready to get in on the streaming service competition sort of thing. But obviously, it's more of the sports. Of course, they're going to get in the sports world, stay in the sports world. Come on. Now, with the new name of FIFA Plus, because let's be honest, being called FIFA Minus would be a bad joke. <laughs> But, you know, with FIFA Plus, now I'm able to watch like 40,000 live matches every year and so forth. So it's going to be free of charge. But for how long and for what parts? Because I'm expecting some of the content to be paid for. And I can understand it, whether on the web, streaming devices and mobile and all that good stuff. You know, so... Um, and of course, like maybe like some TV series and movies, just really about like some of the more influential figures in football. So, but again, like more for live games and uh, past games, classic matches and all that stuff, you know, and you know, the first month users will like be able to see 1,400 matches from different leagues all over the world, whether it's uh, Nigerian, Ethiopian, different leagues and all, all that good stuff uh, so it's going to include an archive of past games with like up to 2000 hours of archive content so I mean I was, it's kind of like new to me seeing the first time it's all you so for now it's free but I do expect things to change later as it grows and becomes more popular and this is a really good thing, but if it's free, that means expect some ads in the middle of a game. And you know what? That's not going to be fun. I mean, who wants to see an ad in the middle of a sports match, you know? So it's just going to be annoying as well. But you know what? There's really not much for, for me to say on the topic just because like, I think like it's just pretty simple and pretty basic. Of course, it's going to be available in all sort of electronics, you know? by hand, by mobile, by TV, laptop, you get the whole idea. So yeah, this segment is just like, gonna be honest, just pretty simple and basic. Yeah, great. FIFA Plus.
at least this is another way of competing with other sports league that have some sort of streaming of their own. So yeah, it's good that they finally caught up to the world or to the to their competition, I should say. And yeah, it's going to benefit them upwards more than downwards. But I do think like it's not a bad idea if they make it a paid for service because again, who wants to see ads in the middle of the game? It, it just disrupts the flow and disrupts the fun. So yeah, we should expect that to change soon rather than later. Okay, so I still want to stay on the streaming topic just for another moment because now Amazon are going to be changing the name once more for their free streaming platform. At first, it used to be called IMDb, IMDb Free Dive when it launched in early 2019. Then they renamed it to IMDb TV. Now it's going to be called Amazon Free V. I don't know. Good for them. I mean, just in my opinion, not the most creative idea, creative name, but you know, it's fine, whatever. At least it, it's gonna work, but you know, it also data shows like from May, 2021, you know, what was known as IMDB TV viewership increased to 138% over year to year. So yeah, because the, the total viewing across all its ad supportive platforms platforms had 120 million so and you know why i think this will benefit more because like you know they already have amazon did buy mgm which has like i if i'm correct like 1000 movies and 7000 tv shows of content so of course you know mgm studios and sony pictures um and all the, and you know all those people involved now with amazon buying mgm now it means that they can buy and uh, distribute and show all the content from them since like 20, 2021, which costed them $8.5 billion. Now, of course, at that time, it, it took time to review everything from the FTC and was very much approved since March of this year. So like, yeah, almost a year since that time that whole acquisition finally got approved and it worked. So it's good that uh, since now Amazon can really share all the classic MGM films uh, through their platform, like made from decades past. I mean, if you get the idea of what kind of content MGM has, so this is actually uh, very good as well, whether it's on the Prime video or on the freebie service, and this is gonna be good for them. All right, and right now, currently all over the world, there's reports circulating for a couple of headsets that was reportedly going to come later this year, specifically around the 2022 holiday season, will now be delayed to sometime in 2023. First is Apple's AR headset and now Sony's PSVR2 headset. Okay, so first... Uh, the VR headset from Sony, of course, over the last few months, they've revealed the PlayStation VR 2 headset made for the PS5. Of course, with the USB-C charging, 4K HDR imagery between 90 hertz to 120 hertz and so forth. And like 2000 by 2040 resolution. 
So, you know, it's a lot of great details and all that, especially since the original PSVR headset for the PS4 has been out since 2016. And yeah, that helped the sales of the brand company itself. More people bought the PS4s for one of those reasons. So that's good, but it's not yet going to come. Uh, so around that time, they're hoping to... Um, you know, ship around like 15 million panels, you know. Okay, as for the Apple side of things, for Apple with their AR headset, um, it's not, it doesn't seem clear when the AR headset will come. Uh, definitely not late in 22, late 2022. It's going to be a first for them to use like one of those, uh, power cables from the MacBook Pros. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry for long science, but, but like, there's not really much to say in this issue for the, for Apple. Cause like, it's gonna, at least it may cost them like $2,000 for sale, but I know like it'll be very expensive, but I don't know who would even buy uh, Apple's AR headset is going to be expensive. So, yeah, I wouldn't look forward to any of the headsets anytime soon. And yeah, like, if the PS4 VR headset costed a lot, expect the VR2 headset to cost a lot as well. And what's the whole point of the Apple AR headset? I, I don't know, honestly. I don't know. So, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of interesting for Apple to get involved in the headset industry, I guess, uh, with HTC and Meta you know, doing the same thing as well, both of them having VR headsets of their own. So I guess that's pretty cool. I mean, Apple does have the resources to kind of invest and get involved as well. But I mean, how will their main target audience, their consumer base will respond? Uh, you know, we'll find out in time, I, I suppose. Last topic, I uh, just want to offer my thoughts on the CD Projekt Red situation. Uh, you know, they released a tweet talking about the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt next-gen upgrade not coming at all this year. It seems like it may be delayed to 2023. So initially it was going to come out like somewhere in the second quarter of 2022 as previously promised but i think because like they have a new game engine for the next witcher game for, with unreal engine 5 uh, they decided to just you know have their in-house development team start working on the new game but yeah they're still gonna re-release the witcher 3 wild hunt for ps5 and xbox series so it's gonna be delayed until next year that's still gonna take some time and uh, you know i'm fine with it uh, the work will still be done once more by Saber Interactive, the same development team that did bring The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt uh, ported into the Nintendo Switch and how they somehow succeeded despite making all kinds of graphical downcuts and downgrades and so forth is really a miraculous miracle work, you know, like truly a miracle work just bringing one of the greatest masterpieces and an ambitious open world RPG game to a small little console like the Switch is, uh, I mean, it's nothing short of fascination, I would say, Like, but still an accomplishment. 
but I mean, like, it's good that, you know, when, when a game is delayed, it means like it'll be cleaned up, more work needs to be done, won't be rushed, being bug-filled, glitchy mess. So I'm just glad that it's the case. And, you know, if you bought it on a PS or Xbox platform, the next-gen upgrade is for free. So, yeah, my free upgrade will come whenever it's available. So that's very good to know. And yeah, I'm just glad, like, um, you know, like, I, it's still worth going back to The Witcher 3, you know, it's, uh, it's still one of my favorites of all time, you know, but uh, yeah, like, also, they, they still have work to do regarding Cyberpunk 2077, like, with expansions coming also in 2023, so there's a lot to, a lot of work to be done from now until next year for both games as well but yeah like if there's anything i'm sure that won't happen is that it'll be a technical mess regarding witcher 3 next gen upgrade expect the whole ray tracing native 4k 60 fps all that good stuff to come so yeah uh this may sound like bad news for some people who were patient but rest assured Things are looking good for them at the moment from here on out. I do think their public image has been damaged a little bit. Their reputation really took a hit when Cyberpunk 2077 was first released. But I know they've made a lot of effort to fix the problems, even a free next-gen upgrade for Cyberpunk. So, you know, a lot of work will take time, but it should come into fruition. All right, guys and gals, that's pretty much it for tonight's episode of the Films and Pixels podcast, episode 15. If you have not seen any of the previous episodes before, please feel free to check them out. And if you have not subscribed before, please do so subscribe. Thank you for watching and listening from beginning to end. I very much appreciate it. And yeah, please like and follow the social media links, the pages that are available. Very much appreciated the time you give to watch and listen. Thank you and good night.